Several men grabbed Marshall and put him in the back seat of the squad car and told Luby to drive off in the opposite direction. The squad car then drove down to the river, and as they approached the riverbank, Marshall saw a mob of angry white men waiting for him, and he thought that his luck had finally run out. That very well could have been the end of Marshall, but despite the orders to drive away, Luby had followed the group down to the river, and when the mob saw him, they realized they wouldn't be able to kill Marshall without being witnessed. With their murderous opportunity lost, the local deputy driving Marshall turned his car around and headed back to Columbia. Undaunted by threats from the mob, Luby followed the squad car into town. The car stopped in front of the courthouse in the town square, and with policemen on both sides of him, Marshall went inside to meet the judge. What's this guy charged with? asked the judge. As Marshall related the, st the story later, one of the policemen replied, drunken driving. The magistrate turned to Marshall and said, look, I'm a teetotaler. I've never had a drink in my life. If you're willing to take my test, I'll decide your guilt or innocence. What's your test? Marshall asked. Blow your breath in my face, he said. So Marshall blew his breath and the magistrate rocked back in a little and looked at the cop and said, you're crazy. This man hasn't even had a drink. He's certainly not drunk. So basically, the police had to let him loose. And uh, good for Marshall and good for America that that's what happened. This is the Eagle Haas and Hound podcast. I'm J.D. Collier, and I'm going to do today's podcast on Thurgood Marshall. He uh, is a famous... Uh, lawyer and uh, actually the first African-American justice on the Supreme Court. So uh, he actually uh, did a lot of great things for America. I consider him a hoss. And um, today I'm also going to talk about the eagle attribute of courage, which this man had a lot of courage. This is the Eagle, Hoss, and Hound podcast. Welcome. Created by Eagle Impact and Johnny Tilt Productions, this podcast honors and respects the service veterans and spouses, the social integrity heroes of our past, and the common American mutt. That's right, you. With this podcast, we provide a platform for respect. We respect the eagle. That is, the individual with a service background, the sworn hero from the uniform who has risked it all for our protection. Plus, we respect and honor the hoss. That is, the social integrity leader from our past, such as Franklin, Ulysses, Lincoln, and others from our American history. Finally, we respect you, the hound, as we discuss the topics of the day, listening and learning together to improve our work, home, and family. Each week, we will bring you value in the form of knowledge and perspective. Just like you heard, we are all in this together, so get ready for another excellent show. It's the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. Okay, I was reading you... Uh, some excerpts from this book right here, and this is called Up Close, Justice Thurgood Marshall by Chris Crow, C-R-O-W-E. Uh, pretty good book and uh, pretty well written, and I was happy when I went to the library. I found several books on Thurgood Marshall, and not all of them were little tiny books. There were some pretty good ones. So, um, you know, he's definitely a person who's been written, a lot of biography, but biographies have been written about him. And uh, rightfully so, uh, 
He's uh, definitely somebody I consider a hoss. So uh, let's talk about him, okay? And uh, before I do, I'll talk about the uh, eagle attribute of courage. And uh, in this show, we talk about the eagle, the hoss, and the hound. And of course, uh, the eagle is the individual with a service background, either from armed forces, law enforcement, fire and rescue, or spouses. And I call you an eagle. I don't call you a veteran, for instance, uh, because the eagle is from uh, all kinds of different service. Someone who raised their right hand, took the oath, lived the code of conduct, and served uh, their community, nation. And uh, we, we owe some respect to them and uh, a little bit of thanks. And that's about, that's about all that is needed, okay? We don't need to uh, begrudge or to worry or to, you know, just get down and be so sorry. And no, you know what? People who served, they served our country or served their community proudly. They were doing what they what they wanted to do, and uh, we have an all volunteer force nowadays. And so, uh, and you know, I'm not I'm not trying to uh, say that somebody who got drafted and didn't want to be in there and, and had to do their duty, uh, they they probably uh, also found some pride in their service as well. So, and gained all the attributes. Okay, so you know, if you have a service background, I I call you an eagle. Um, Talk about the Haas, of course. Uh, the Haas is the individual who had the service integrity hero uh, from our American past, uh, doing a study of many people who have uh, been Haases in, in our country. And, and, you know, there's plenty of them, and uh, plenty of them from, uh, for all kinds of reasons, but, but something uh, in common is that they, they help to advance social integrity in America. So today is going to be Thurgood Marshall. And then, of course, the Hound. The Hound is you, it's me, it's... Everyone uh, on these continents of America, uh, you are the American mutt, okay? And uh, uh, so I welcome you, the American mutt. I hope you're listening uh, from far, far away or even just close by. I'm, I'm coming here from, uh, coming at you from Pennsylvania, okay? And uh, today is May the 19th of 2021. So uh, back in May of uh, 1954, uh, this guy... May 17, 1954, this guy had a pretty good day because he had just argued a case. Uh, Thurgood Marshall had just argued a case in front of the Supreme Court. And that day on the 17th of May, the Supreme Court delivered its unanimous decision in favor of uh, the, the NAACP's case where it was Brown versus the Board of Education. And uh, this is when Jim Crow took a major blow and the Supreme Court struck down segregation in schools. And it was great. And this man right here, he was a social engineer who did it, okay? He had help, of course. And uh, that's, you know, that's another common thing is we, we get help. And so we're going to talk about Thurgood Marshall today. And uh, he had great courage. He could not have been there had he not had the courage and a little bit of luck, too, along the way. Because he took on some major cases uh, that, that it would take great courage to do. He faced so many so many threats just to do what he was doing, um, going and, and trying to find out which clients, uh, go, going to find out what was going on, the circumstances of the places uh, that he was, he was uh, trying to defend. So as a, a counsel or chief counsel of the NAACP, uh, he was taking on a great amount of responsibility and a great amount of uh, threats um, because of what he was doing. And there was a, there was a lot of threats. So it took amazing courage 
for him to continue on, and and he did. He, uh, you know, he he had he had so much courage, um, because he had he experienced a lot of that in his life and his whole life. He was born in 1908. Um, he was basically uh, not treated well uh, in in growing up in the South. He grew up, was in Maryland, and uh, Maryland was considered a Southern state, and Maryland had segregation laws. Uh, people had to be, you know separated by their skin color and uh, those who were considered black the african-americans were called black and they had to sit in the back of the bus they had to you know sit in different cars on trains they uh, you know had to use different restroom facilities in public um, just pretty much there were signs everywhere and in in baltimore the the middle part of the town was uh only for uh Euro-Americans, okay, they, the, the owners of the businesses were Euro-Americans, the customers were Euro-Americans, and they didn't let any Afro-Americans downtown, uh, and that's the kind of environment that, that he grew up in. Um, so you, you can tell that he had a, a built up a, ma a, a major amount of resent resentment for that kind of treatment and possibly gave him the energy that he needed to go on and go through his education. Um, so... You know he he was a fun-loving fellow. Okay, in school he he acted out and he got in trouble and uh, you know the I, I think he was a teenager and they they took him and the principal said go down to the basement. This was his punishment and he gave him a copy of the Constitution and he said memorize this Constitution. He had to go down to the basement and it, well not it, he was in plenty of trouble so he had to go there a lot and. Uh, well, it turns out that he had a knack for memorizing it, and it, and it turned uh, did did some justice for him because he was able to utilize the Fourteenth Amendment uh, as as the basis uh, to win the case of Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, and what a great day that was for America! And thank goodness for this guy right here and his courage to get there. He he may not have gotten there. That when I first started the episode, I told you about when he was almost uh, taken before a lynch mob. Okay could have been the end of his life, okay? Imagine the terror that he must have been feeling. They just basically was in Tennessee. They pulled him over, and uh, he was with his buddy, and, and he was, you know, on assignment trying to uh, help help one of his clients in, in a case, and uh, they knew he was in town, and they tracked him down on the highway, pulled him over, and uh, harassed him. You know, it was the police that did this, okay? Uh, and, you know, they, they took him before a lynch mob and luckily his buddy Luby had followed him and so they had to basically say oh wait a minute there's going to be a witness and then they they let him get out of there except uh you know they didn't let him go all the way they had to take him in front of the judge so you know too bad uh the judges didn't didn't accuse those police officers uh what they should have rightly been accused of and uh things could have gone a lot better and uh, today we have a lot more work to do because there's still too much of this happening where police officers have way too much authority and they overstep things and they hurt people and uh, you know it, it's got to stop. Okay, police brutality. There's no there's no room for it. Um, <clears throat> so courage, courage is an eagle attribute and uh, it comes naturally for the eagle. I'm not saying that that other people couldn't get courage. They certainly can. Uh, you know. This guy, he didn't serve in the armed forces or anything like that, but he definitely served in the war uh, against Jim Crow, the war against hate, the war against racism. 
Uh, I think that we still are fighting a war against racism. It's just a different kind of, uh, 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 I guess, a, 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 it's more of a cultural war than uh, a legal battle. And uh, during the time when it was a legal battle, this this guy, he was like a, he was kind of like a general. In fact, next week I'm going to be talking about this guy, Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was a general that ended up, be, ended up becoming president. And uh, you know. He, Dwight Eisenhower, got all kinds of accolades for his service in the military, uh, being uh, the Supreme Allied Commander, you know, and over Europe and, and winning the, the Second World War in Europe. and doing, He did a lot of stuff in the Second World War, actually. He was an amazing guy. Um, but you don't hear of the, the, the kind of warrior that someone like Thurgood Marshall was, uh, you know, before he got into the court. This is when he was, he was, a, an, a, law, he was a lawyer, okay? And uh, he had gotten himself educated uh, at, um, he went to Lincoln University for his, for his undergraduate, and then he got, went to Howard University in Washington, D.C. Uh, for law school, uh, did very well. And he studied under Charles Hamilton Houston, and that fellow Charles Hamilton Houston was his mentor, and uh, he ended up doing some, some work at the NAACP with him, basically as, as his uh, protege, as Charles Hamilton Houston's protege, um, who trained him, and uh, they did many, many successful cases together. And then, of course, uh, you know Charles Hamilton Houston. He resigned, and, and this guy stepped up and became the director uh, there at the NAACP. Um, you know, in, in the, the chief counsel. I mean, anyway. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the the situation when uh, Thurgood Marshall became a, a Supreme Court Justice. I think that's probably what he's more m remembered for, being that he was the first African-American Supreme Court Justice. And it, I just may, I'm curious about that because, um, you know, it, it, it's funny to me how it happened, okay? So when I read this book and some other books uh, about, you know, w what happened, there's, there's a lot of, uh, yay, yay, he was a successful lawyer and he... The president appointed him, we're talking about 1961, and it was President John F. Kennedy, appointed him to uh, the uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, 2nd District uh, in, uh, he, you know, I think it was in New York City. He got to go to there and be a, be a judge, you know, he was a lawyer and became a judge, a federal judge, woohoo! You know, he was appointed. And, uh, okay, okay, uh, that's pretty good, you know, but... You know, when when you become a judge, you're not you're not a, an attorney anymore. You're not you're not defending people. Um, you know, you, you have a role for sure as a judge uh, to to do what's right, and I'm sure he did right. So that's good. However, um, you know, when you take away somebody who was doing such good work uh, for the NAACP, I mean, he's a very smart guy, uh, suave, all kinds of swagger. You know, he, he was handsome and. And, uh, you know, he was the kind of person who just filled up a room. As soon as he came in, everybody knew he was there. And uh, he was such a powerful force uh, in the African-American community. People looked at him with so much respect. And, uh, you know, there were times when he was doing like 450 cases, something like that. He was kind of shepherding all these cases at the same time uh, under uh, attorneys that were under him, okay? He was basically guiding the uh, the approach of the NAACP for all these civil rights cases and getting them to where they needed to be in the court system and getting them won. Okay, so this guy he was kind of like kind of like a quarterback who gets taken out. Okay, so think about this: 
to, there's a modern day quarterback called uh, Tom Brady, okay? Superstar, probably the best uh, ever uh, quarterback, you know, for many reasons you can call him that. Some people can, you know, even if you, you don't like his team, uh, he, you know, he has switched teams by now, but, you know, a, a guy who's had like seven Super Bowl wins and what is he had like 10 Super Bowls and, you know, I, I got to make sure my facts are right because he keeps just adding in more, more, <laughs> more Super Bowls. But uh, what if here's a guy who he won suit, if they took Tom Brady after he won his second Super Bowl? And they said, Tom, uh, you know, what if the, the NFL commissioner said, okay, Brady, that you're a pretty good quarterback and that's great. Uh, now I want you to be a, an official. You're going to be uh, staying in this stadium and you're going to be calling games. Uh, you know, you can be the head referee or whatever, uh, but you're going to be wearing uh, the stripes. Um, <laughs> do, you think, do you think everybody would be cheering that? Or would they be a little bit mad because their superstar quarterback got pulled out and he wasn't able to finish his work, okay? You know, I kind of think of uh, the situation where where uh, here's a guy who was threatening Jim Crow. He was taking it down. He was knocking it down. He was punching it out. And they said, wait a minute, let's pull you out of that role so that we uh, have a little bit more control on you, okay? I feel like, uh, you know, the, the, the president basically took him out of the game, okay? Put him, set him up, a, put, a, put a robe on him, you know, and set him up on that bench, and there he, there he was. He was out of sight, out of mind. Um, sure, he could do, he could have some influence for, for the cases that may have come before him, um, but I think it was a, a huge reduction in uh, his power, okay, and his influence, and, uh, you know, later on, okay, he's, he's up there in the, 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 the court, the circuit court, and uh, he's a federal judge, okay, which is, is, it was nice, too, because he had better pay um, and, you know, a little bit better working conditions and probably not as many threats, okay, well, which is definitely a benefit for sure. Um, but a few years later, uh, President, uh, I think it was 1965, President Johnson uh, selected selected Thurgood Marshall to to be uh, the Solicitor General, okay, meaning that he would now go down and be part of the President's Cabinet, and he would basically uh, uh, be the, the representative for the United States government uh, in cases that came in front of the Supreme Court. And so, imagine you're Thurgood, and you have to argue cases that are totally against your own morals, but you gotta you gotta support your 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 client, okay? The client's the United States government. He's arguing against cases that he would have he would have been on the other side, okay? And so imagine how frustrating that would be. Imagine if you were uh, Tom Brady and you got pulled out of out of the the prime of your career and stuck into a role of being a judge or being a, a referee. Um, you know that would be kind of, that would kind of suck, wouldn't it? So here's here's uh, Thurgood, and and he sometimes had he was down. Okay, he wasn't feeling good about it. He was a little bit, you know, miffed about it in some cases. Um, but but I think you know some of the other parts of of his of his role having the the accolades of being you know the first African American Solicitor General, and then two years later he becomes the first Supreme Court Justice uh, who was African American. Uh, also nominated by uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, okay? Well, Lyndon Johnson, uh, he was the kind of guy who he was going to get his way no matter what, and nobody, he would just, you know, he'd push, he would push it really hard. And, 
It didn't, it was the same thing. And Lyndon Baines Johnson used the N-word every day. He called him, an, he called this guy an N-word, okay? And I think, uh, you know, Marshall just took it because that, that was his boss, okay? And his boss calls him in one day. Uh, he's he's a solicitor general, and he says, come over here, Thurgood. He probably said, come on over here, boy, because he used to talk like that, okay? Very, very terrible talk. Called him over there and says, hey, uh, I'm putting you on the Supreme Court. And uh, he's like, come on, let's go about, around back, and we're going we're gonna to have a press conference at the Rose Garden. And so... Uh, Thurgood's like, well, hold on a second, Mr. President. Uh, can I at least call my wife and tell her myself before she hears it on, on the news? You know, so this is the kind of thing where, you know, he didn't have a choice. He, he's told right away, you know, he didn't, didn't have a chance to even think about it, contemplate it. He was told, he was ramrodded into the role of Supreme Court. And I mentioned he, you know, he was a little bit, uh, you know, not, not having his normal swagger being in the role of Solicitor General, and now he's going to be stuck into the Supreme Court where he was outnumbered, and he knew that he was going to be a dissent. He, basically, many of his roles, many of, his, of the things that he did in the Supreme Court were frustrating because he just he was just sitting there, the only one, and being a dissenter, okay? Um, a case in 1972, of course, 67's when he got into the Supreme Court. He, he was a, his most famous dissent, came in 1972 uh, in a, a court case where uh, there were school districts in Texas that were uh, not funding evenly the different schools. Even though Jim Crow was uh, uh, officially illegal and uh, school segregation was illegal, uh, they were still finding ways of conniving and doing stuff. And, and he, it was a it was a dissenting opinion, so you know what happened. The Supreme Court said, no, it's okay for Texas to do that. And so he's like, no, it's not okay for Texas to do that. And his dissent was, was right on the money, okay? Just like I had talked about uh, John Marshall Harlan uh, a couple of episodes ago, he had some dissents, especially the one with Plessy versus Ferguson, and uh, that's the one that set the segregation in motion for several more decades, that finally uh, somebody had the courage to make it go away, and that was this guy right here, Thurgood Marshall. So, yeah, I just feel pretty bad that when he got to the Supreme Court that he had some frustration, that too often it was just, you know, kind of doldrums, I would say. You know, I'm sure he enjoyed the better pay and, this, you know, the all of the accolades that he got. Um, but I, I wonder what you think about that. Do you think that... Uh, I, I kind of think that uh, LBJ was pulling a fast one and taking him out and make, taking that threat to uh, LBJ's Jim Crow, taking that threat uh, out um, away from Jim Crow and putting him in a safe place. He, he stuck him on his cabinet and then he, later he put him up there into the Supreme Court so he couldn't really do anything else. Um, again, being in the Supreme Court, being outnumbered by all these other justices, uh, he could only do what cases came before him, and it limited what he could do. But when he was when he was in charge of the NAACP, he decided the cases. He got them all figured out. He was pressing them into the system and and getting them to where they were making a making a very big impact. And unfortunately, LBJ and uh, and and Kennedy uh, they put an end to that by taking him out of the game. So um, that's my my take on it. And uh, I think Thurgood Marshall could have done more. Um, I also, uh, you know, I worry that politics were in play. I'm sure that's what it was about. 
um, trying to make uh, the African-American community uh, fall in love with the Democrat Party is what I think they were trying to do. They, they were trying to take him and make him into a hero of, hey, he's the first one to go to the Supreme Court. And then a lot of people uh, felt good about that and they started voting that way. Um, you know, I try not to get too too deep into politics, but I try to also tell it like it is and, and bring you facts. Um, you know, some of these are my own opinions, of course, and, and that's that's my pleasure telling you my opinion on my show. <laughs> so you feel free to give me a comment. I, I'd love to hear it, okay? What, you think I'm totally wrong? You think I'm just way out there? Uh, let me know. You know, maybe we can talk about it. Um, so somebody who was in office during the time of uh, the Brown versus Board of Education was this guy, uh, Dwight Eisenhower. And uh, I'm going to talk about him next week. Uh, I'm not sure I'm calling him a hoss yet. I know I'm calling him an eagle, but uh, I got to do some more reading on him before I decide to call him a hoss. I think, uh, you know, some of the things I understand he could have been, he could have been more effective at. So, uh, um, you know, that could have been part of why, you know, Marshall wasn't happy with uh, the Republicans. Maybe he wasn't happy with Dwight Eisenhower and how he was, uh, you know, capitulating to uh, too many people and being soft on, on the Southern states and the Confederates. I mean, the, uh, well, yeah, the, the sons of the Confederates, uh, the the Jim Crow South, the Democrats of the South. And so anyway, maybe Thurgood started thinking that he wanted to be on the, the winning team, you know, and that's why he came over to, you know, uh, to uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson. Anyway, uh, I'm going to wrap up tonight's episode. I enjoy this, uh, but it's getting a little bit uh, hot in here. The the, the heat is coming in. Uh, we're starting to feel some of the, the, the humidity. Um, some states don't have it, but man, some states do. And uh, here in Pennsylvania, you get some humidity, so uh, it's getting, get, I better watch what I wear next time. This is too, it's too hot, okay? And if I turn the air conditioner on in here, the, the acoustics are terrible. You'll be hearing all kinds of sounds in this recording. So I'm still trying to figure out that part too. Anyway, um, I'm going to get this out there so you can hear it. I'm J.D. Collier with Eagle, Haas, and Hound. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week. Get up! Hard before. Hard work, I go to work and I hit the floor. Hard work, work. 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 All right, guys, that's awesome.